our great privilege and our great challenge in any fantasy genre is evil typically is personified. And so you are saying something very significant every time you personify, well, good or evil. Some people just want pure escapism. They're trying to get away from facing evil in their own life, and they don't like mm -hmm. finding it in the story. And then there's other people that are commenting, saying, like, I'm crying. This is extremely meaningful, or I don't know if I love you or hate you for this. But it's connecting. And ultimately, I'd rather have less reach, but deeper. That's the story I prefer to write. This is the Crit RPG Podcast. Your one-stop shop for everything lit RPG, progression fantasy, and royal road. Hi everyone, and welcome to the Quit RPG Podcast, the only podcast so on fire we had to call the fire department. With me today is ex-firefighter JJ Hutto. Hi. Hey. Do you want me to call you JJ or just Hutto or by your real name? Yeah. Josh, JJ, Hedo, all of it's good. It's fine with cool. me. And I'm actually cool, glad you brought up uh, firefighting. Now that I finally have a platform to tell everybody, I have yes. one thing I need to tell everybody about firefighting, which is the hardest part. You're in a burning building. It's scary. There's smoke everywhere. You can't see. Sure, sure, sure. But you're carrying this hose that's charged with water. And the hose itself weighs hundreds of pounds. So you're dragging a hundreds of pounds hose because it's got eight pounds every gallon and the, the hose has hundreds of gallons and then when you release it the pressure is so immense that the kickback on your arms could be 50 to 75 pounds so you're already in this terrible environment right but to put out the fire you have to release your hose which is putting out 210 gallons per minute which is cool but after about five minutes you're dead just trying to hold that hose getting kicked back trying to get it on the water so everyone needs to know that firefighting is actually water fighting. People don't know that, but huh. that's the hardest thing I have to fight every time I had to go into a fire was the dang hose and all the water we were putting out. Yeah, I hope that doesn't water down anyone's opinion. Yeah, hey, keep it hot. Yeah, absolutely. Keep it lit. <laughs> Amen. Thank you, everyone. This was the Quit Energy Podcast, and I'll see you next time. The only <laughs> podcast about firefighting. Wait. That's not true. No, wait. Uh, the Lit RPG podcast. No, wait. Damn, this makes sense. <laughs> we've, we've used the pun already before. Uh, I really love your stuff. So I always joke that uh, you put the Lit in Lit RPG. And I do think it's true. We both share this penchant for writing stuff that Royal Road doesn't want to read. For sure. Right. To use the Lit pun for both of our stories. You have Torchbearer, which right, Lit, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then, of course, my friend Lit RPG, Lit. The subtitle should be a torchlit RPG. Torchlit. There you go. You could do like the squiggly brackets, a torch, and then lit RPG. Hey man, you do you. I think I think you have a lot of okay, options. This podcast is over into right. <laughs> huh. So as always, like talking to you gives me good good inspiration. But I want to ask about your book. As a great friend of mine once said, this is my podcast, and I'm asking the questions. Um I did that one. That was a good one. So what makes you write something so contentious, yet so brave? Uh, I think, uh, like many of us, since I was little, I mean, I was out on the playground with a big stick, pretending it was a spear, and I was shooting lightning. You know, we've always been in our own worlds, and I had a 
a pretty tough childhood. And so we moved a ton and home wasn't the safest, but libraries, those are my jam and they were free and we didn't have a lot of money. So I spent a lot of time going to different worlds, experiencing that fight again and again of good versus evil. And some part of me was encouraged and spurred on to continue to try to continue to hope. Um, and so that kind of process for processing life has always stuck with me. It's like I, some part of me always wants to process life through story. Um, mm -hmm. And so even as I've slowly become more and more writing and I've actually finished Son of Flame, which was huge for me as first novel I've finished, I always was looking to kind of find those internal answers. Um, and so it's much as much a journey for me as it is for the reader to kind of place a character I care about in situations that feel very meaningful to me, facing challenges that feel very real, and then see, is there a resolution? Is there a resolution that feels real? Is there a resolution that feels meaningful? Is there a resolution that gives even me hope? So mm -hmm. that really pulls me in that direction. I still love all the cool power-up stuff and the explosions. I'm about that life. I, I grew up watching, watching Dragon Ball Z, just like everybody else. Yeah. Uh, but ultimately, yeah, that's what kind of brings me back to to the page every time is I need this as much as anybody else, if not more. So, yeah, I can see that. And um, then we have already talked about it at the, at the beginning, right? So you used to be a firefighter. So um, tell me about how that influenced your writing and how the son of flame came to be. Yeah, I, I just, started writing this book probably eight months ago and I was in the midst of being a firefighter. So at the station, going on calls, the bell rings whenever it rings. Sometimes we're cooking dinner. Sometimes, you know, it could catch you anywhere. Um, the worst time is when you just sit down to poop. That is not good when you're halfway through that process. And then you gotta, you gotta wipe up and get going, you know, but I, I had been reading on Royal Road. I, I'm pretty new to Royal Road, probably only nine months or 10 months, but I'm not new to Lit RPG or Isekai or any of that. So it started to occur to me, like, it would be fascinating. I work with some just absolute crazy people, people who are extremely passionate about firefighting, extremely passionate about, you know, first respondership, competency. Um, and I was never like the the go get it, like, and I'll be all firefighter. I really enjoyed the job and I was definitely competent, but there were just these guys, guys and girls actually that just could crush. I mean, you could put them in any situation and they would competently find the solution, whether it's a person like dying in front of them or hey, the way we were going to get out of this room was no longer an option. What do we do? Oh, you just break through the wall and move through the studs with all your gear. I'm like, okay, that was awesome. And so I started to feel like I love and have always loved fiction that has a high level of believable competency. And so when I was reading a lot of lit RPG and the set guy, it kind of always felt to me like it was, you know, Craig from IT. Suddenly he's in a, a war zone and everyone's dying around him. And somehow he mentally just handles it. And actually he mm -hmm. thrives. I've actually been waiting to be in a war zone my whole life, Craig from IT says. And it always felt a little bit to me like, okay, I'll suspend this belief and enjoy the story for sure. But I became really tugged and interested of what would it look like if I, I pulled one of these hard men and women or built a character around 
the absolute heroics, but also the flaws that I experienced in my workplace mm. and put them into another world. And so that was kind of the start of Sun of Flame. Yeah. Firefighter getting a set guide. Pretty cool. I mean, you wouldn't believe the kind of shit you see as an IT consultant. So yeah, maybe, that's a very factor that is. Yeah. Maybe IT people, maybe they aren't born for Warzone. But after two years in IT companies yeah. or in one IT company, they're like, I could kill some people. I could do that. Yeah. yeah. I've been forged in the fires of adversity. I'm ready. <laughs> you think war is your ally? <laughs> I was made by it, molded by it. Uh, um, oh, man. No, I think that's also something that's fascinating many people about the entire idea of. Uh, spec of soldiers, uh, Ibn right, Isakai, right. and military sci-fi kind of stuff. And I've never heard of a firefighter Isakai. It's, it's, I think the, the the premise itself is so fascinating. And what you do with it, and that is not just, oh, by the way, I used to be a firefighter, and now I'm just an axe fighter. But I actually posted my very first Reddit-like self-promotion post, which I tried mm -hmm. like month one. I didn't know anything. I said, I bet you've never heard of a firefighter or set guy because I was feeling pretty confident about that. And immediately someone's like, no, there's a whole series on KU. I'm like, what? Now, luckily, it's a harem series. So about as different of a direction as you could take in the genre as possible. So that's good. That's good. But uh, I was like, dang it, I'm not first here. Ah, damn it. Um, well, maybe it was one of your only colleagues. Maybe it was one of the, the yeah, colleagues that always That guy like, was making fun of me the loudest was secretly yeah. tending the, the smash hit. Maybe he, maybe he was like, are you writing Goblin Romance? And he was like, please write Goblin Romance. I really want to read that. <laughs> it's the one I'm longing to read. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I'm just not good enough myself. I can't still, I can't get the, get the goblins to go. The emotional hook isn't right yet. Yeah. Man. Goblin Firefighter Isekai coming oh, out soon. Oh, shoot. Actually, I could just yeah. partner with our old folks. I could partner with Sean. We yeah. can make something happen. Oh, shoot. Yeah. I mean, we are, we are doing the community story. So we'll see how that goes. It's a hard turn in the plot. I don't care what you guys say. This yeah. needs goblins and firefighting. Oh my god, yeah. Maybe it's eating some hearts. Um, so yeah, yeah. We'll definitely see. yeah, like I said, I love I love the premise. I love the entire idea of taking something that's actually real and then trying to get a living character into well, an Isekai novel. But um you've encountered some obstacles with that. Do you want to talk about that maybe a little bit? Yeah, I think. My, uh, I think I ended up really, as I've been faced in the fire department, like seven-ish years being a first responder on ambulances or on the fire truck. And, you know, you face some dark stuff. And uh, ultimately, like I've become, whether I acknowledge it or not, I, I, be, I develop some beliefs about evil, you know, or mm -hmm. whatever you want to call it. And our great privilege and our great challenge in any fantasy genre is evil typically is personified. Mm -hmm. And so you are saying something very significant every time you personify, well, good or evil. And as I have a character who faces meaningful evil himself, he's not just like a blank slate, love Keanu Reeves. He's not like a Keanu Reeves where it's just like, I'm going to do the right thing and discover the power I have it within myself. Like, I, that's true. I just want a little bit more nuance to that. Um, but that, 
there's that tension road. Some people are just want pure escapism. They're trying to get away from facing evil in their own life, and they don't like mm-hmm. finding it in the story. Uh, and then there's other people that are commenting, saying, like, I'm crying. This is extremely meaningful, or I don't know if I love you or hate you for this. Like, um, But it's connecting. And ultimately, I'd rather have less reach, but deeper, um, I think. Mm-hmm. That's the story I prefer to write. Um, so that's been a little bit hard. And then, obviously, I'm not a master writer, so... I'm I'm a little bit ambitious even. I could probably write something that was a little bit less heavy um, and then hugely like maybe significant, but I just can't help it because it's such a personal journey for me. It's like, no, I'm here to find the answer to this, my own, these own questions for me. And so it kind of has to be a certain way in some ways, um, but I want it to be clear and I want it to flow well for the reader. So most of my criticism has been lovely. I've made some great changes off that and moved forward. Um, there hasn't been many like trolls. The store sucks. Uh, so it's, it's been good. Any person creating in the space, any person writing faces those same obstacles of worried what people think or worried about their own ability. But really by and large, this journey has been extremely positive for me. And um, I really, my readers have been shout out to the boys in the comments, dude. And by boys, I mean that in the general sense, B-O-I-F. Very good. I like that. Hey, it's a spectrum, you know? I'm just throwing it out there for everybody. That's just my privilege as a writer is to use language, you know? Yeah. Real language. Yeah. Yeah. This topic of not succumbing under the weight of critical comments is super important, right? And I still believe that you will find... Royal Road is not the be-all, end-all. It is a very, very certain subset of people who want to read a very certain subset of literature. And um, I think maybe on KU will have like more of an impact um, because maybe all the stories that are kind of off-meta on Royal Road tend to do either completely horrendous on KU or really well on KU and then bring more readers into the progression fantasy genre. Yeah, a little wider reach. Also, there's the whole meta, like, I didn't have any author friends. I didn't have, uh, you know, anything like that when I started. I was pretty new to the community as a whole. So there's a whole good way to do it. I mean, a better way to write and release and to be seen. And I did the opposite of all that. I mean, I had a terrible cover. My blur, Maddox, you never read it because it was way early. The first two months, it was a firefighter-led RPG read more if you want to if you want to find out about it or something like that two lines <laughs> so i was shooting myself with one foot both feet you know and then i just slowed down to releasing once per week as firefighting got really busy um you were, so, you were saying you were saying you're a marketing person now yeah yeah well you know you gotta <laughs> learn the market i was doing market research uh so now i know there's all sorts of things that you could do to give your story a better chance, but it's not that I haven't grown, you know, I'm just not one of the the heavy hitters or one of the fast growth people, mm-hmm. but do I check it every day? Yes. My number is at 945 right now, um, which is, is good. So I'm definitely getting readers. I, if I did it all again, which when I write my next one, I will do it all again. I have much better playbook for how to get it in front of the best amount of people. Um, mm-hmm. But until then, I, so I thought a lot, we've talked a lot about like, 
Should I re-release? Just put all the chapters out the right way and give it a chance to get on rising stars as opposed to shooting myself in the foot with the things I didn't know I didn't know. And ultimately, I thought, well, I think I'm going to just keep going this slow growth route because it's probably better for me as a writer and better for the story. Um, I would love, there's nothing wrong with success. I want it, you know, but success for me is as much getting better at my craft as it is catching that publishing deal, which if there's any publishers listening, I'd love to catch one, by the way. I don't hear that I don't want one, but uh, you can always yeah. listen to the pub crawl. Oh yeah. No, I have, I've listened to every one of those for sure. I, I will have some new episodes out this month, hopefully. I got some pretty exciting guests. One of them, Thomas Wind, Moonquill, and then a, a special one that I haven't announced yet. You might even know because also JTB is the public-facing side of Crit RPG. So this is now a reveal. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do a little I do a little moonlighting. Yeah. When I left the fire department, the, the business I started was digital marketing. And I specialize uh, not in books. I specialize for small businesses, but there is some crossover. So I'm doing a little bit of partnership just to help. This podcast is extraordinary, guys. I mean, it rocks. Boom. Patreon. Patreon plug. This is the perfect time. Oh, yeah. Um, if you want to uh, 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 Patreon, um, 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 Patreon. Uh... Nailed it. Dude, Absolutely you probably got like it. 20 patrons just now. Man. That was awesome. I mean, what am I supposed to say? Oh, there's bonus material on Patreon, at least right now about 20 hours of podcast or yeah i think it's about 20 hours of podcast and bonus material like am i supposed to say something like that am i supposed to mention the ad free episodes what (laughs) well if it was me i would also mention if you're interested in this space if you enjoy the content that these writers are putting out not only should you absolutely be listening to this podcast but you should the best and the juiciest the most personal stuff is hidden behind that door yeah, so. okay, that's actually kind of, kind of true. I always keep it very approachable for the main podcast and then the personal stuff and uh, oh yeah, let's just shoot the shit and kind of talk. That's all behind the Patreon because, well, I think it's more specialized, but I also think it's super interesting. So if you want to listen to JTB, unpack it all, there you go. Oh, I'll tell a I'll tell a juicy firefighter yes. story or two just for the Patreon. Very juicy. Juicy. If you are a friend of the kazoo ad, you have to be very, very strong now. I regret to inform you that Sherdaloon went and bought the tier that removes the kazoo ad from all podcasts. And and now just gone. So you got Shirtloon to thank for that. On the other hand, if you want to add the kazoo ad again, there's a tier for that too. Thanks so much for listening, and let's get on with the show. Yeah, and I mean, there's always, there's always also like um, some lesser-known authors, uh, that Zogarth guy, for example. Yeah, uh, I mean, he he he's, he said some shit. It's important to let the small guys onto this podcast. You know, give them a voice. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Crow Stiletto. No, wait. Um, I almost, mm. almost had it. Ravenslegger? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, Ravenslegger. Uh, I was close with Crow Stiletto. Crow Stiletto, yeah. Now, shout out to you too. Um, and also, every single person I've had on this podcast has been great. And the bonus material has been really freaking amazing. 
but that's the end of that. So thanks, Josh. <laughs> thanks for the plug. Dude, it, I mean, if I wouldn't be on here if I hadn't listened to every episode so far. So mm-hmm. I, I am a fan. Awesome. Are you going to listen to this one? Oh, yeah. Isn't there a thing where, like, you hate the sound of your own voice? I don't know. Oh, yeah. You get over it after a while, but yeah. Well, we'll see. I guess I'll cringe. Yeah. The cringe will be hard. Hmm. Oh, well. Um, but you were talking about Son of Flame and doing things better than before. I think it's a good segue to actually ask you, what's one thing that you would improve in your writing when you could go back and do it all over again? Switching up think, today. Yeah, I think when I look back, I actually, I haven't done a rewrite, but there are a couple chapters, especially my first chapter that was, it was the first I was writing without even knowing if I was going to post on Royal Road, like a lot of mm-hmm. people start. And so I wrote a first chapter to just move you through. And I got uh, one, I had one particular dear reader uh, that quit after like four chapters and they're criticism got progressively longer and longer until their criticism on my fourth chapter was longer than the chapter itself. I mean, this person was putting in the time, there's gifts, there's color coding. And it was like, it hit, you know, it was hard to read, but I realized a lot of the stuff that they were looking for was coming. I just Mm -hmm. hadn't gotten there yet. And then they had real complaints of like actual style and structure that, you know, I had to learn. So Going back, I spent a lot of time on my first chapter again, and it became just so much better, even though it was behind that goodness was behind that pain. Um, now it's like, I am extremely proud of my first chapter. No one doesn't read through to the second chapter. It's good. Um, and it's everything about showing you, I'm making you narrative promises about, is my character competent? What kind of competency does he demonstrate? And how will that show up later in this magical world? Like he knows about oxygen consumption. He knows about what happens during flame ignition. He knows about all that stuff. And it turns out in fantasy world, some of those principles are still, it's not just completely gone. And so without spoilers, like he definitely solves problems with his competency, not just going super saiyan. Although there are some super saiyan moments, it's just a good mix. And that's the promise I want to make. And I actually changed and make that promise more significantly. Um, so yeah, the first chapter really matters. And I, I didn't put that significance on the first chapter the first time. Um, it's like, this is the, this is the promise you're making to the reader. One, don't make the wrong promises. Don't make promises for a story you're not writing. And then two, make sure you are pointing them in the direction of your narrative. Um, so yeah, that's my big go back and change. I think I did it, but especially going forward from now on any next thing i write i'm not gonna obsess over the first chapter but that's the lens i want to have is this is what's significant this is what i'm doing right now pretty cool so would you for example do it again or like edit it before you publish you know maybe not the first chapter i don't know there is my first my book really gets to be my book at like chapter 16 as I'm trying to explore how realistic do I want to make this, if a sec I feel, you know, my character, like I spent some narrative time on him starting a campfire and maybe cleaning his first animal for food. Mm-hmm. And that's in there now. Will it stay in there? Like, does he do that for the rest of the story? 
no. So that's where if I go back and like, you know, if my kid, my story really starts to be itself at chapter 16 and 17, and then is pretty mm-hmm. consistently building off that. I'm looking for that, that for those first 10 or 15 chapters, I'm trying to find that. So chapter one, pretty clean, pretty good. And then I'm, I'm looking for how am I going to, how's he going to exist? How's this world going to be around him until 16? So that's, if I was going to go back and if this is, if I do pick up my publisher stuff, that's probably where I'm going to take a closer look is those chapters. But for now they, they do what they're supposed to do. Um, as far as moves, establish the character in the space. But yeah, looking back, that might be the most I have to sharpen for this book for sure. Awesome. How long are your chapters in general? I start out between 1500 and 2000 and then right around chapter 20, I get pretty regular of 2000 to 2500. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I stay in that, you know. So, so book one is already done. You said how big is it? 135-ish. Um, That's pretty good. Mm. Yeah. That's pretty good. Pretty good spot. I mean, if you're not convinced that you should be reading the story by now, <laughs> well, yeah, give it some time. It's really good. It's really good. Yeah. I, I, I think my biggest plug, if I could give it a plug, would be I had so much fun writing it. I mean, it's just been a fantastic experience. And if you're even enjoying it 20% as reading it as, as I have writing it, I think you'll have a really good time. So um, it's been immensely valuable for me. That's awesome. That's a very good plug. Not the most elegant segue, but anyway, eh, what is the best advice you've ever gotten as a writer? And why is it not from me? <laughs> no, you've given me some good stuff, ridiculous some of my pros, especially. Um, yeah, I think the best advice I have gotten is paraphrase there's a couple of different groups that all ended up paraphrasing kind of the central idea which is write write like what you're writing matters to somebody Mm -hmm. um and so i think as we write we can pretend like oh i'm just doing this silly story or i'm writing comedy or whatever we can pretend it's not an emotional experience and that it won't be an emotional experience for our reader um one then you've already the whole point of art is to evoke some emotion. And so when you're writing to actually have that in mind right off the rip, it's, it's not just, it's not just amusement. I've read a, a good popcorn, lit RPG like everybody else and just, just munching on the kernels and that's fine. But generally I think this is going to be the most sustainable and enjoyable for everybody. If we write like what I'm writing matters to someone, mm-hmm. even if it's just me. You know, but that has really helped me a lot. Um, there's, of course, the the only way to get better to write is to write. But that's how I've been able to write more and keep coming back to writing is this matters. This matters to me. This matters to someone. Um, so that has been the best. That's been the most helpful to keep me coming back uh, hearing that from somebody. Is there a certain switch in your head that you can turn on and turn off? Do you have a, have a certain guiding thought towards that? Um. Yeah, it's, I think when I'm disconnected, you know, that's the question that's coming up for all of us maybe is, does this even matter? Like, do people even care? You know, is this going to work? Is this going to be successful? And the switch is kind of reorienting back to what is my definition 
of success and what matters to me. Um, because, you know, the negative commenter, you know, uh, the, the negative reviewer, they're not going to be with me at six in the morning when I'm waking up to write. Mm. So I need the person who is going to be with me to know why this matters. And that's me. Mm. So that's, I don't always successfully flick on that light switch, but, um, when I get going, that's really where, where I'm orienting around. That's pretty good. And like you said, like what matters to you is, is improvement and that you love your story yourself. I think it's very healthy. Pretty good. Oh yeah. I have those dark moments like everybody else too. I mean, I, that's, that's my target. I'm trying to hit each day and each, each time I approach my project. Um, but for sure, I mean, it's a safe struggle for all of us and hopefully as we become better storytellers and as we find what matters, uh, it's, you know, rising tide rises all ships. I would love to see the whole genre do really well. I love the tropes that we have. I think they really can be really important and significant um, mm -hmm. for our culture. I mean, I think it matters. I think art matters. I think fantasy and sci-fi has always really, really mattered. Um, so yeah, I'm passionate about it as a reader and as a writer. I sound a little more ambitious than a web serial. Uh, <laughs> it's not love what I'm thinking. I'm thinking not ambition, but passion, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's perfectly okay. Um, none of the people I've had here don't have passion. Yeah, and I think you're just, you're just very honest in expressing it. Even the big names. Logarf was so laissez-faire and like, yeah, I just gave my main character a bow, that's it. But you don't, that wouldn't have been enough to get him 2K words in. There was so yeah. much passion behind that pursuit. Yeah, he kind of glossed over the fact that he started writing this because he really wanted to. Yeah, yeah. Right? And he, he glossed over the fact that he had written three books before he even started publishing it. Right, right. Yeah, Zorgoth is an amazing person and he has so many different layers. And yeah. I think he's a person very worthy of becoming friends with because the more you get to know him, the, the more layers. He's yeah. such a smart dude. It's it was a delight insane. to listen to, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. And it's funny, too. Yeah, man. Yeah. It's fun. That's really, really cool. Really cool. Also, know you. Oh, know me? Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Appreciate um, that. You mentioned that you spend your childhood in libraries. Tell me about your favorite book and why is it awesome? Favorite book of all time? Is always a hard question, but I have done the work to really put my flag in the ground somewhere for myself. And that would be a book called Dawn of Wonder by Jonathan Renshaw. Um, I've heard of that. It is self-published. So keep that in mind. It was self-published and it has like, I don't know. I can't remember the last time I checked, like 16 or 17,000 reviews on Amazon. Um, that, that might be grossly wrong, but it has a lot. And it hits so hard. But my favorite part about it, besides, and this may be a little bit uh, contentious, but I think the prose is just under Patrick Rothfuss in quality. Ooh. So his prose is, his pro, just his prose is amazing, but it has the best character development of any uh, fantasy, you know, actually almost any novel I've ever read. And I'm very passionate about character development. Um, I'm passionate about 3D characters. Um, 
that might even be a little bit of my, my MC can sometimes like kind of ride along events for a couple of chapters because mm. all of my characters matter. Like my side characters, mm. the plots going forward, MC is most of the time at the center of that, but I certainly didn't write a story where unless he's crafting the item and building the city and leading this faction and being the general in the war, nothing's happening. I, mm. I get pretty frustrated with that. Um, so but, I love but... Don Wonder. Gives me gives me two questions. Um, one is, can you spoil what Dawn of Wonder is about without giving too many spoilers and giving it maybe a little bit of more details of stuff that you loved besides the language, and also for your own story, right? Um, we've talked a lot about why it's so off-meta for Royal Road, but what is something that makes it on meta like what's in there that makes people go like oh yeah cool i want more of that because i'm a railroad reader okay yes donna wonder first it's the classic clever boy hero and he's in the fantasy world and he like gets swept up in big events so in that way it's a very familiar story but in the way that it deals with like right off the rip from the beginning you can see that he has some serious trauma at home um, it's not like cookie cutter parents and they're not, it's not the cookie cutter Disney. Well, his dad died a long time ago and that's what motivates him to keep going. His dad is real, alive and a very difficult character, but the book deals with that difficulty very honestly. So, hmm. uh, it's, there's a, there's magic, but it's so soft and it's so delightful and how it slowly unrevealed un itself throughout the narrative, um, until when it finally really completely blooms, you're like at the end of the story, off your rocker. This book made me cry like tears into the page and made me laugh and delight. Um, and I think everybody pretty much has that experience, which is why it, even though it's been self-published, it's done pretty well. Um, so that's my plug for an already very successful book. With my, I think really my actually biggest criticisms right at the beginning were that I was pretty loyal to the tropes. So actually there's nothing crazy different besides it's a firefighter main character mm -hmm. in my first 15 20 chapters and really i think what's off meta is my purpose in a, in approaching the genre i want character development i want a significant character journey um well 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 it's a new ad if you're interested in having your story shouted out on this podcast, please reach out to me under critrpg.podcast at gmail.com. For now, I just finished the first book in my own series, Torchbearer. If you like a slow burn story about weak to OP main characters, mixing magic and technology and numbers going up, you might also enjoy this one. You can find the link to my link tree down below. And that's all for now. Thank you very much for listening and or watching, and let's get on with the show. And that's maybe what's a little bit off meta is numbers are going up. I have a system. I've got levels. You get to see some of that. I have it a little bit more front and center in the beginning of the story, and it kind of fades a little bit to the background, but they're still running. Mm -hmm. I'm still doing the math, you know, um, and there's I, I have some great classic starts that I did completely on purpose. You know, they're they're fun, so there's no reason to break them. Like my character is offered four classes and he's re looking through them and trying to decide. And then this fifth class mysteriously shows up right before he runs out of time. Boom, baby. You know, that's gold right there. That's a classic. 
And so he picks that fifth mysterious class that has terrible descriptors and he chooses to the class Son of Flame. And then you mm. get to find out what does that mean and how does that play out? He's still trying to find out what does that mean? How does it play out? Um, so yeah. Plot twist. He becomes a troll on the internet. <laughs> yeah. A goblin, dude. Sun Plane's a goblin. Yep. Absolutely. And he eats hearts. No, wait. That's a different story. That's a different story. Okay. I mean, you've heard it here then, right? If you like your standard tropes, if you like mysterious glasses and heart decisions and uh, class ex machina kind of goodies, I mean, everyone's like, oh, it's such a deus ex machina, but they all love it. They yeah, all love it when something really cool happens. I mean, I do. Oh, yeah. It's, yeah. There's an art. You know, we want it. We mm -hmm. want it. You can't do it all the time. You can't do it for every single problem. But yeah, that yeah, moment yeah. when it does happen is awesome. Very, very true. Okay. Well, then we're yeah. already approaching shout outs. Oh, yeah. I prepared for this. Okay. I prepared. Okay. I, thought, okay. I thought to myself, Josh, don't just shout out the heavy hitters, the ones everyone loves that if you haven't already read. Merchant Crab, you, for you have to. Merchant Crab is exactly on my list there. I was like, don't shout out Merchant Crab. Everyone already knows. Everyone already loves it. So instead, I think I have two uh, on Rising Stars right now. So this is a, a, a rocket, but it's still pretty early, is Magicraft Master. Um, mm -hmm. If you've ever seen that Fox show, uh, Archer, it's like if Archer gets the set guide, it feels a little bit like that to me. Oh, no. uh, it's a fun start for me. I don't know if that's what the author wants, wants it plugged as, but oh, I, I enjoyed the start. Zone. <laughs> it's the danger zone, Lana. Yeah, so there's, there's that. And that one's probably going to do fine. But then another one, this one is a hidden gem because, and I really, he, I found him reading my story and I went to read his. He made, I made every mistake. He made, made every mistake twice as far as marketing. He doesn't do any shout outs. He has a uh, cover that is not very marketable, but it's called Glass Mage on Royal Road. He's probably like three or four books in, and it is a half crafting set guy, half, you know. It's a fascinating premise and character. The main character, he's not the most skillful in magic, but he's an extremely skillful glassblower. And the author is a glassblower. So oh. if you like that like meditative prose description of craftsmanship, this is a great story. And then if you like really cool fights, it turns out his like one skill is like moving heat from one place to another. So either taking all the heat surrounding and putting it into something or taking all the heat out of something. And oh, so he's always doing really cool stuff. Awesome. Yes, it's great for glass blowing. And then it's great if you're fighting monsters. Um, mm. There's one particular scene in my head where like he's, he stabs his little like glass blowing, you know, spear thing uh, that he just had to grab to fight monsters at the shop into an animal. And then he pulls all the heat out of their chest and it just becomes like a collapsing ice frozen thing. Cool. I mean, it's cool. So, and it's under a thousand. It's good. So that's my plug for an actual good story that no one knows about. Okay, yeah, man, Glass Mage. Ooh, pretty darn good. Cool. This is usually the point where I shout out something too. And I kind of want to mention Goddess Transformation. Really good story. I stumbled on it for a shout out trade. And then I started reading. I was like, oh, this is very much like my story. It's completely not. Like the some of the themes are the same. And uh, the general premise of uh, a semi-mobile um, MC is still there. But um, I just really enjoyed reading it. Because it's 
definitely top 10% Royal Road stories as far as pacing and prose goes. It doesn't have any of the usual issues of run-on sentences or monologuing dialogue where one character answers their own question and then says the same thing five times. It doesn't have that. The characters start a little bit, just a, just a tiny little bit flat, and then suddenly they grow. And because of the story, she can look into every mirror on the planet and mm. it's all over the place. And it's so interesting to see how she connects all these strands um, or the author connects all these strands. And uh, yeah, I can shout that one out. That's really cool. Nice. Yeah. No, I've seen that one. That's a good plug. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like you said, smaller stories that no one knows. Reborn as a demonic tree. Um, uh, yeah. Yeah. It's important to keep, keep close to our roots. Yes. Yes, it has 15 followers. Hopefully now, 16. Uh, yeah, I think it's close to 16, yeah. 15,000. <laughs> but I've got to give it some space to grow. It's, I think yeah. it's a pretty good story. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's, quick, yeah. it's, it's close to blooming for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, it's important to branch out with these things. Yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That's so mm-hmm. freaking true. Yeah. The seed of the story was there, the first couple mm-hmm. of chapters. But what's grown out of it? Mm-hmm. Got to root around in the lower segments. Yeah, but then it really becomes something really strong and mm-hmm. like an oak. Yeah, like an oak, yeah. 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 All right. Before all these puns sap our strength, this has been the Crit RPG Podcast. I mean, signing off. Yeah, almost. As always, big shout out to the whole Crit RPG gang. Jay Hato, uh, or JJ or Josh is a part of Crit RPG because the cat dragged him in. And again, he's the guy who writes all the crit RPG stuff on Reddit. So if something is super spicy and you're like, wow, Max would never say that, that's Josh. I would say it. Yep. Throwing you under the Isekai bus again. I love it. Send me. Send me I want to keep throwing you under the bus until you get Isekai. You know this, right? Yeah, you're trying to help me out. And I appreciate that. That's true. All right. No. Um, thank you so much for being here. And if you're listening to the Patreon version, this show keeps going. But otherwise, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you next time. Great being here.